It is Freak Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And we are going to be here for at least another week. I'm not sure exactly how long it is. We're here until July 3rd, though, so come down and hang out with us here. It is absolutely beautiful. It's surrounded by libertarians. There's really nowhere else you, you can go to experience something like the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Someone the other day, who I think this was the first year, they asked me if I was staying in the village. And that was such a weird thing to me because I'd never heard of the festival here being characterized as the village. But it, it kind of is. For, for, these, for this one week to two week period at Rogers Kimbrun, it does become sort of a libertarian village. Yeah, and a, a sort of a home away from home for a lot of people as well. Absolutely. Well, we are joined now by, I just said it, Patrick Bender of the freestate.app, which is not an app at this time, but that is the name of the website. That's freestate.app. Tell me about this. What, what is it exactly? It seems like it's a, it's a newer, more modern version of uh, liberty.menu yeah, that which, actually is updated and actually works and all of that stuff that liberty.menu no longer does. Sure, yeah. We can get it. I built Liberty Menu, too. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, so, so that makes perfect sense yeah, then. It, it struggled with the not having a niche enough market. You know, libertarians everywhere was kind of too difficult to market to, I think. And so, Certainly. Um, being in New Hampshire, I, I figured I'd try to reboot that whole idea, but just focus on New Hampshire. Um, I've been here for five years now, and so I know personally 100 business owners that are free staters. And I figure, well, if I can just get those 100 to go on to this um, that, they, and, and then also play off the whole free state brand here, that I might actually be able to get a, a, enough um, network effect and enough traction to get this thing going. So, so far, so good. I launched it a week ago. Oh, wow. Um, so it just, it's, a, it's a new thing. And there's already 20 listings, and you know it's it's off to a good start. Yeah, no, okay. um, that was always the sad thing about um, Liberty Dot Menus. It's such a great idea, right? right. But th- there just was no one using it, right? And I mean, we promoted it on Free Talk Live for the better part of three, four, maybe five yeah, years for a while. Just, yeah, there was no real traffic being driven to it. It's just it's such a great idea, but I I think you're right. The the uh, the target market was just too broad. It was case. too broad, and I think I think it's an idea that absolutely like it requires libertarian concentration to work, because for instance, when I first launched this, I was in the LA area, and it wasn't that there was no listings there, but there was a restaurant, right? I never went to the restaurant. It was an hour plus from me. It was still in LA. Right. It's like, like there was a few of these things where it's like, okay, there's listings in the LA area, but they're so far away. I can't use this electrician. He's not going to drive two hours to my house. You know, there's enough libertarians, I think, in New Hampshire, enough concentration where this can actually be useful. I think uh, other libertarians would agree that we're hitting a, a number that we have a community like there's already people that i know who will do jobs like out of their way just because a guy is you know a free state or a libertarian or you know of the freedom family if you will certainly for lack of a better expression i mean the people who did the the work on my house they were essentially hired because they were libertarians right and that's that's often the case in the liberty community here in new hampshire where if you have to hire someone to do something anyway because of the concentration of libertarians we have here, odds are you can find a libertarian relatively near you who's capable of doing that. And what a great time for people who haven't moved or are about to move, knowing that you can come here and start a business and interact with other businesses of the same mind, of the same philosophies and principles, and that there's something like this where you're going to help them advertise. They help them advertise, and I, I see it as, of course, a benefit to people that are in-state, but people that are visiting and thinking about moving to New Hampshire, you get on Freestate app, freestate.app, and you, you might find 
a restaurant you want to go to that's freestater owned, but you can actually start that conversation and say, hey, is the owner here? I'd love to you know, tell him I'm a, I'm a prospective mover and, ha- and, and have that conversation. Otherwise, you would never know unless you're wearing like all the T-shirts and stuff to right. signal to your in-group that, hey, I'm a freestater, but I don't always do that. And so I've been to places and I've heard other people say the same thing like, oh, I ate at this restaurant. I go, did you know a freestater owns that? No idea. I didn't know that. They, and they're like, I love that restaurant. I didn't know a free state owns it. That's very cool. And that's freestate.app that's making that possible. Again, that's freestate.app. So tell me about your hat because it's a very unusual uh, flag on it. it it's white. Uh, it's a little more than half white and then blue, then yellow and then red. And it's got what appears to be a pine tree in the white part. And it says the Granite Republic. What right. Is, so what is the Granite Republic? Well, Anyone that's listening and wants to see this hat, go on thegranitrepublic.com and you'll see this picture, right, because we're on radio, of, of what it is about. But this is a brand that supposes that New Hampshire is already an independent, free independent country. Oh, it's, I like it's that. It's called the Granite Republic. This is our flag. And I'm doing this all through an apparel line because, you know, it's illegal to actually have militias and, and try to overthrow a state like that. So it supposes that this has already happened. It's called the Vanguard flag. And the, um, the militia of this of this uh, supposed country is called the Vanguard. And so in this, we have the pine tree, which represents the individual, and then the three colors, which represent the Vanguard. The first color is red for sacrifice, for like blood and and conviction. Gold for sound money, but also freedom of association, liberty. And then blue for cooperation and natural resources. And I put them in that order because I think if we're going to protect the individual and the individual's rights, we need to have conviction first principles, liberty, and we have to figure out how we're going to get this environment and, and, um, like humans need the environment to be clean. And it's always the one that people like think they got to got you on, right? We're like, well, how are you going to keep the rivers clean without the EPA and stuff like that? Right. So I'm saying that if we have the conviction and we have the philosophy, we will absolutely figure out the environment part and the cooperation on natural resources. I really enjoy the assumption. You're pretending as if this already exists, which it it's already does to, to some extent, but that's how you make change, right? right? That's how, I can't tell you the number of people that I know, myself included, uh, I'm not traditionally schooled in music at all. I just picked up a guitar one day, had a guy show me some power chords and palm mutes and pinch harmonics, and then, oh, what do you know, I'm in a band. And I, I just I just assumed that I was a guitar player, mm-hmm. and then I was. Right. And I love this idea that you're assuming that this already exists, and you're putting out you know things to support that idea. And if you, I think if you believe enough in it and enough other people also believe in it, that it will just sort of happen. Totally. And I totally support like, you know, CACR 32 and these other endeavors to get a similar um, thing going, right? Secession or, or independence, as you will. Um, but really I'm not the guy that's going to go to Concord and fight for that. And so I was brainstorming, what can I do as a you know graphic designer? I'm also in construction, but you know this is the kind of thing I like to do. And I think about culture a lot. And I said, you know, we got to kind of change the culture first because one of the biggest things I run into is that people will say, I'm America first and New Hampshire, you know, second. Really is what that means. If you're America first, you're New Hampshire second. And politicians say, and everyone says it. I want that to be taboo. I want everyone to be like, no, dude, you got to be New Hampshire first or the Granite Republic first. And I so part of the goal of this besides you know, the hat. I have a whole merch line that's mainly free state or libertarian right now, but I'm starting a, a new line that's the goal is by the end of this year, it's going to be in a, in stores, in convenience stores and oh, nice. general yeah. stores in New Hampshire um, towns that aren't free state or owned, that are just regular guys that regular stores that have that, you know, made in New Hampshire section and that they'll have the pro New Hampshire merch. And my whole idea is to get people to be more prideful about being a New Hampshireite, realize right. that New Hampshire is better. <laughs> 
New Hampshire is definitely better. And I love the idea of calling it the Granite Republic. I said, you know, the free state of New Hampshire, whatever, because New Hampshire is like its, its slave name, so to speak. And this, I is why totally I like agree. The, this is why I like the Shire better as an idea, too. I prefer to think of it as the Shire because that's the, that's the free version of New Hampshire. And the Granite Republic works just as well for that. So I look forward to seeing it in stores. And what, what inspired you to do this? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk of secession and things like that. But instead of, you know, trying to put, for, put effort into CACR 32 or something like that that would have gone nowhere, you chose to actually take an approach that would actually have an impact, which is to get people wearing this. Are you concerned at all that people will just buy it because it's based in New Hampshire and will sport it and not know anything about what it's about? Um. Potentially, but that still, I think, accomplishes the same goal. So, like, even if you don't know what this is about. So, I was walking down the street in Manchester. A guy stopped me. He said, cool hat. And he goes, it's New Hampshire, right? He didn't think it was... I don't think he thought it was a secessionist hat. He just saw the the pine tree and granite, and he put the two together, and he got it, right? So, he just thought it was a cool look. It represents New Hampshire in some way. If it does that, and people do it, and they don't even have a concept of independence... What it is doing, though, it's, it's getting them to think about New Hampshire first, New Hampshire pride. And if we could just increase New Hampshire pride to be a more than American pride, it, this, this brand is working. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. People can find out more at freestate.app and thegranitrepublic.com. That's thegranitrepublic.com. There's more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Port Fest, the Port Time Video Festival 2022, number 19 or number 20, depending on how you count. I want to tell you real quick about Bitcoin.com because it's the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. If you're new to the subject and you want to get started, click Getting Started at the top of the page. and take a few minutes out of your day to learn about this important world-changing technology. Don't be an idiot and just start buying it, hoping to make a bunch of, hoping to become a Bitcoin billionaire or anything like that. Learn about it first at Bitcoin.com. And if you already know about it, head on over to news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you all on a sleek easy to use website that's news.bitcoin.com with you today is aria Bigless mountaineer and the reverend captain kickass is here and i suppose i should say with you this segment uh, because we are here at the porcupine freedom festival and there's so much going on the the hosts tend to rotate more on a on a frequent basis than they do i think in the last segment for example we were talking with mark Hmm. I don't recall now, or who it doesn't matter. Anyway, Roe versus Wade yesterday was overturned, and it's been interesting to see the ramifications of that already starting. Like shortly after, I had to go to town yesterday to to get more dog food for my dog, and there was a protest happening against the decision yeah, in, in I, support of Roe v. Wade here in little little Lancaster, New Hampshire, a, wow. a protest of 30 to 50 women out there. Oh, I saw actually on my way back, because I had to deal with a flat tire, on my way back from the shop, I saw like there was one guy, but there was like maybe another one or two people, you know, walking down the street. It looked like they had signs or whatever. And it was definitely a Roe versus Wade protest. Where was this at? Uh, in Lancaster proper. Okay. Yeah. So on my way 
two here yesterday after dealing with my issue. I saw that, and I meant to mention it, but I thought it was only a couple of people. But then after the news last night uh, that, that I saw anyway, apparently in all of the major cities there are several varieties of protests, some of them violent apparently, uh, which is surprising to me. Or not, I guess. People are dumb. Well, at least they didn't spring this on us. Apparently, pro-choice activists have been tear-gassed in clashes at the Arizona Capitol, and dozens have been arrested in New York City, Los Angeles, or Louisiana, I'm assuming Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C., as unrest sweeps the nation in the wake of the bombshell ruling, says Daily Mail. Arizona's Capitol building was besieged by pro-abortion protesters Friday night, forcing riot cops to fire tear gas to disperse the angry crowd in the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Besieged by pro-abortion protesters. So were they like, were they laying siege to the building with catapults and trebuchets? <laughs> I mean, it's silly to think in a, in a democratic nation that people assembling outside of a building to protest would be characterized as besieging the building and forcing riot cops to fire tear gas. But this is what Democrats wanted is, when they made that big deal about the January the 6th riot. This is the direct result of that. I was going to say, is there going to be a, an inquiry after all this is over by the right. government? And are they going to like find by videotape who all participated and prosecute them? They may mm, very well. Gee, let me think. Probably not. Steven, Turns out unless you quote unquote lay siege to their buildings, they don't care who did it. Not necessarily. Uh, Stephen Colbert recently worked with some people in, I think, the House of Representatives to sneak some hardcore leftists into the building. And the results were exactly what you would expect. They were arrested. Uh, they were considered to be trespassing. It was exactly what happened on January the 6th as well. But Stephen Colbert is making the argument that, oh, no, this, this was just hijinks. You know, this was just shenanigans. And that's pretty much what people said on the right as well. It's, it's been very curious to watch a play out like Tucker Carlson, of course. They're pretending to make a big deal out of this. Like, our, our democracy was attacked. Yeah. I, here's the thing that occurs that to me. Can I knock it off the shelf and we have no more democracy? <laughs> here's the thing that occurs to me. There's a, a word that's been popularized in the last, I don't know, decade or so, and that word is triggered. <laughs> right? right? And it, it occurs to me that the grand king of all triggerers is the organization we call government. They're really good at triggering people. Well, they literally point guns at people and pull the trigger. So, I mean, that, yes. that's, that's how they enforce everything they do. So I would expect that. You know, people who use force and violence as, as a rule against others are going to trigger the people who have force and violence used against them. Yeah, as far as figurative goes, I'd have to completely disagree with you. Really? I would say that almost everybody has a special sandbox set aside in their mind for, well... The government did it. Therefore, it's okay. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to say anything was wrong with it because the government did it. I mean, if I ran around just putting flyers on people's cars, and if you don't pay me, stealing your car, well, that would be a real big problem. But if I have a badge and I'm part of this organization, well, then it's perfectly fine for me to go around stealing property, you know, beating people, killing them, well, kidnapping them into you, you have a point. places. Uh, my, my point is that it seems that these political decisions often get people uh, what I call butthurt. 
right? Uh, they want to cry like a baby because, oh, the government isn't forcing them to my preference. They're now forcing everybody to somebody else's preference that I don't like. And so they get triggered and they want to cry about it because they're all victims of this thing called government. And it's because they're not getting their way about it. They have to cry about it. That's what I mean about being triggered. And so you see these government decisions, Roe versus Wade, you know, gun control, right? Whoever's on one side or the other of these issues, whenever they don't get their way, they want to cry about it. This results in a protest that really accomplishes nothing other than letting people see you cry about it. Lawmakers working to complete their 2022 session said they were effectively held hostage inside and eventually huddled to a safe location as SWAT team operatives worked to disperse the gathered crowds. Was Alexandria O'Crazy-Ho-Cortez amongst the detained? No, this was a state capitol building. Arizona is one of eight states where abortion clinics stopped performing procedures after the decision was released Friday. And that's because a pre-Roe versus Way law banning all terminations was automatically reenacted after Friday's Supreme Court ruling. So a lot of these anti-abortion laws were still on the books in these states. They just weren't enforceable because of Roe versus Wade. But now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, all of those laws immediately go back into effect because they were never actually repealed. Arizona's Republican Governor Doug Ducey insists a bill he previously passed banning abortions after 15 weeks his, still his last stands. His name is Ducey. <laughs> Ducey? Yeah. Ducey. I don't think we... Can we... Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Authorities said there were no injuries or arrests, as far as they're aware, at least. And, and the pictures here, they, they are a bit more aggressive uh, than you would expect to find at a protest. Like, they're banging on windows and stuff like that, as far as I can tell. So, doesn't justify the, the riot act they were given with tear gas and all this other nonsense, but... Probably not the best way to go about having a protest either. These protests remind me exactly of when, like, one of my siblings would get grounded. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, what, what was their... their no! <laughs> they would, you know, protest against getting grounded. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming and, and you know, otherwise yelling and throwing a tantrum. Shoes on, banging against the headboard. The difference is with this protest, you have, you know... Basically, military people standing outside with guns. You know, it looks like something from a third world country when people try to hold their government accountable. Right? It's full on militarized here. There is more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, though. It is Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com It is Free Talk Live from the Pokemon Pine Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire on site. So, of course, we're not taking calls right now. It's a continual urge I have to give out the phone number because it's just out of reflex, right? Muscle or, memory. Yeah. 
or whatever the vocal equivalent of muscle memory would be. Just habit, I suppose. But anyway, we are on site, so we're not taking calls. We're talking about Roe versus Wade here and the various forms of fallout that are resulting from it. Evidently, a lot of people were arrested last night by, you know, riot police for assembling in protest outside of government buildings in New York City, Los Angeles, D.C., and others. But evidently, that's not the only thing going on. It would seem, for whatever reason, the LGBTQ community, that is, the people categorically not making babies, have found a way... Well, you're forgetting about birthing persons. I don't know that they would necessarily be LGBTQ just because they're... Well, what, what do you mean by birthing person? So if you're B, T, or Q, you can definitely make babies. Okay, B can definitely still make babies. Uh, the LG, not so much. T, not so much. It, uh, dep- it depends on how long they've been on hormones. I mean, you can, cor- you can mansplain me about what trans people can do, but I have personal experience with the subject. Okay, I'm saying that there are trans people that can make babies. It depends on how long they've been on hormones. I did acquiesce that point. Technically, with the proper equipment in a lab, anybody can make babies. Yeah. Okay, also, that's also true. It's worth Fair pointing point. out that, I mean, you can be a trans person without ever going on hormones. Uh, no, you can have gender identity disorder without ever going on hormones. But going on hormones is what makes you a trans person. We had this conversation a few days ago. Gender identity disorder doesn't necessarily mean that you're trans. It just means you have gender identity disorder. So the Supreme Court's ruling, anyway, the LGBTQ community has found a way to make the abortion ruling about themselves. The Supreme Court's ruling overturning a constitutional right to abortion sent fear through the LGBTQ community Friday after the release of the decision set out potential targets, Supreme Court cases legalizing same-sex intimacy and marriage. And they are correct. Uh, Justin, Justice Clarence Thomas, he did say that he wants to see the Supreme Court reevaluate uh, same-sex marriage and same-sex s- sexual relations. He agreed with the majority that states could ban abortion and called on the Supreme Court to re-examine cases allowing LGBTQ rights as well as the right to contraception. In future cases, we should consider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Orbridgefell, Thomas said. I don't have any idea what any of those are. The only Griswolds I know are from... Uh uh, vacation, yeah, National Lampoon. Oh, yeah, that was a good, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I'm, I need to rewatch that at some point, especially the original vacation. I didn't care so much for Christmas vacation, but just family Va- vacation. vacation. Yeah, my uh, my favorite part of all those movies is their parody of the Mickey Mouse theme song, but it's Marty Moose. It's like M A R T Y M O O S E, Marty Moose, something like that. I don't remember that. Yeah, they were singing it in, on the road trip on the way down to Marty Moose Land or whatever it was. And I haven't seen European Vacation probably since I was like five or six years old. The only part of it I remember is them driving through the roundabout for hours. <laughs> Classics. Like, confused. So the 2015 fell decision guaranteed same-sex couples the right to marriage. The 2003 Lawrence decision overturned a Texas law which made gay sex criminal. And the 1965 Griswold decision allowed married couples to use contraceptives. See, there's a difference here between having a right to contraception and the right to use contraceptives. And I I don't like how MSN is ignoring that reality. A person should have the right to use contraceptives. But this doesn't mean they have the right to have contraceptives. They have to go out there and earn them, buy them, or acquire them in some way. They don't have a right to have them. Yeah, life ain't free, buddy. Yeah, 
there's a fundamental mistake there that people think you have a right to things. You don't. You don't have a right to anything, ever. You have to fight for it. You have to move. You have to change. You have to talk people into helping you. Like, that's how this works. As the decision was announced Friday, LGBTQ Americans attempted to wrap their heads around the idea that rulings that have fundamentally shaped their lives and livelihoods could vanish. After decades of fighting, and this is, even if the Supreme Court did do this, I can't imagine too many states would be in a hurry to actually enact laws banning same-sex marriage. Just because it's so common and and ubiquitous in American society. These I mean, days. if they're going to ban marriage, they should just ban all of it as far as legal marriage is concerned. Absolutely. Leave it, leave it to consenting people to contract with each other however they want. Leave it to you know, religions. If they want to you know, ha- involve their religion in their personal relationships, they should far outside and right on be able to do that. But get the state out of marriage altogether. I don't care what your sex is. I just don't understand that how the state involved, became involved in marriage in the United States. Anyway, I understand how it did historically, right, with, you know, with marrying into nobility and all of that they kind of They were the nonsense. ones that kept the records. That's why the state was involved. Yeah. Well, there were no records initially, right? It was just the Catholic Church would say, okay, yes, you're married or whatever, and no one actually had a sheet of paper. So how did it become this record-keeping monstrosity uh, I'm in the pretty United sure, States? I, I'm just guessing here, but I'm pretty sure it's because the religious folks were the ones who got elected. I tend to think so, and that allowed them to control who could and couldn't marry. I suspect there was a racist a element to, to it as well. With, uh, a lot of it had to do with inheritances. So, like, uh, if someone dies and they're married, then that shows you, okay, well, that money goes to the the, the house, the property, et cetera, goes to that spouse. Mm. Uh, if there's not a spouse available, uh, then you can... It also helps towards showing you, okay, this person uh, was the the child of that one and the person they were married to, therefore... All of that goes down that line. So the the importance of keeping records was so that we would be able to uh, deal people's property out after they were dead. And the only people keeping records at the time were the government, basically. So in the abortion ruling, Justice Samuel Alito argued any rights that are unenumerated or not laid out in the Constitution can't be recognized as a fundamental right in the country unless they are, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. Abortion, he argued, is not. But other legal experts say the Founding Fathers drew up a Constitution as a general framework for the direction of the country. Well, the Constitution is just a framework for the type of government we're going to have. It doesn't really set a direction or anything like that. And abortion is certainly not mentioned in the Bill of Rights. The well, notion th- A lot of this really comes down to the Tenth Amendment. They specifically spelled out, you have the right to do everything that we're not exclusively telling you you can't do. Well, they reserved the power to regulate those things to the states and to the people, respectively. Right. The notion that courts should try to put themselves into the tri-quartered hats and wigs of our founding fathers in order to determine whether the rights would be recognized during the due process guarantee. Good God, this person needs to just stop talking. <laughs> I'd like to emphasize the damage it will do to people who will no longer be able to get abortions. Yes, that it will significantly impact people who cannot get abortions. That's it's It's strange to me that this person felt the need to emphasize that the the overturning of Roe versus Wade is going to have an impact on people who will no longer be able to get abortions. That's what the ruling was about. It's not an exaggeration to say people will die 
as a result of this decision. They will die because they are forced to give birth, and they will die because they will be forced to take desperate measures to avoid getting pregnant. And look, again, it's not hard to avoid getting pregnant. I don't know why people yeah, act like it's... Desperate measures? What on earth are you talking about? I have no idea what they're talking about. But it's not hard to avoid getting pregnant. You know, you just have to use protection for the most part. Or, you know, don't bang. I mean, abstinence is a way of not getting pregnant, but there's no fun in abstinence. Despite Thomas's explicit references to re-examining same-sex marriage and intimacy cases, the demise of such rulings is not set in stone. Obviously, I don't think any actual cases about those things has been brought to the Supreme Court, and I can't imagine them being brought. It would require a state to pass a law that made those things illegal, and I just don't see that happening. I could be wrong, though. But time will tell what's going to happen. But we are here on site at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Come by, share your thoughts and opinions if you are here. We, we're not taking calls, but you can hang out with us and possibly get on the air with us. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Talk live from the Pork Country Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Day six. Really, realistically, the final day here. So if you haven't made it down here, you're, unless you already live in New Hampshire or in New England, you're probably not going to make it here, even if you do have a ticket. And you can't get a ticket if you don't already have one because it is sold out. Unlike Lifetime Liberties, if you really want liberty in our lifetime, you should check out the Lifetime Liberty Conference at LifetimeLiberty.com. Mark is going to be there speaking at Free Cities Foundation's annual conference. It's in the beautiful city of Prague from October 21st through the 23rd. And it showcases autonomous cities and intentional communities that are springing up all around the world, offering opportunities for settlers to live freer lives. The conference theme this year is Parallel Structures for Progress. So check it out. They're going to be exploring physical developments and parallel structures emerging in education and finance that offer alternatives for people looking for better ways to learn. Free Private Cities is offering all Free Talk Live listeners a special 20% discount on ticket. Head to LifetimeLiberty.com and use FTL20 to get 20% off. That's Liberty, LifetimeLiberty.com. Use the code FTL20. Well, with us now is uh, Hawk of uh, your card was the one that fell. Follow, uh, the, science. follow the science. Series. This is a series that you're t- – tell me about it. Yeah. Um, my name is Hawk, and um, I'm – Worked in Hollywood for 20 years, uh, trained commercial director, all that good stuff. And uh, about um, right halfway through the lockdowns, I got approached by some artists, a bunch of uh, fellow filmmakers who said, hey, something, something doesn't add Raise up Raise the mic up a bit, please. Right up here? All right. Because yeah, you're not coming through very clearly. All right. So, right in so recap for that for me again, Sure, please. yeah. So, yeah, my name is Hawk, and uh, I'm a Hollywood-trained film director, and uh, I have formed a, an anonymous film group with a bunch of uh, like-minded Hollywood filmmakers uh, about a year ago called the Sound Mind Creative Group with a singular purpose to create this series called Follow the Science. 
follow, basically follow the science, which is uh, our, our attempt to look at what actually happened. What's the, the conversation we weren't permitted to have during the lockdowns? So not trust the science, but follow the science. Follow the science. Okay. I mean, right. Really, if, if we have a trailer, we'll say like a, one of our fellows uh, in it is uh, Dr. David Katz. He's like, well, it really means follow the dogma. And, uh, follow the what? The dogma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, follow the narrative. Everyone started, knew that as it was happening, but you weren't permitted to talk about it. So we came together, decided to make something proper mainstream as to the best of our ability. We're, we're a self-financed group. We, we raised $300,000 our initial fundraising campaign. Nice. Uh, Tom Woods actually was the one who he had a, a podcast in which he was saying, you know, someone should make something proper, like a, a good show about this. And one of my co-producers heard that and he woke up in the morning and he's like, you know, someone ought to do that. Uh, oh, crap. It's me. Yeah. And he called myself and a couple other uh, uh, fellow artists and we said, okay, yeah, right. We need to do this. And we, cool. we, we went after it. And we've been, we spent about six months getting ourselves organized. We decided that we wanted, you know, cancel culture is a real thing. Hollywood, I mean, it existed in Hollywood for Latin, well oh, before yeah. it became a thing. Right. And so we formed the Soundline Creative Group to give the ability for a lot of our um, colleagues the ability to work with us without retribution. And I'm the only one who went public. So it's, sound, so it's basically directed by Hawk Jensen, produced by Soundline Creative Group. And we've been doing really well. We did an initial uh, recording of interviews at Freedom Fest last year. Okay. And um, got a nice catalog of material there. Um, and we, that's where we actually interviewed initially Dave Smith. And um, It is alarming, I, I think, to see how the, the, the cult of science has developed here in the United States. It, exactly. Well, I think what, what we wanted to reveal is that people are realizing that science... Everyone kind of came like, oh, science is this pure thing, this pure temple. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no corruption. Right. And really, it's probably been completely corrupt for at least 20 or 30 <laughs> years, if not you know, longer. And this is it now we're made, becoming aware of it. Yeah, It was made plainly clear to me when I saw a picture of Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, with a, a halo behind his head. It, yeah. it, was a, it was a sun, right? But it was so analogous. It was, if you took one of the you know, medieval paintings of Christ mm, and mm. substituted Neil deGrasse Tyson, it would have been exactly the yeah, same the, image. The, the institution of science, the, this, the sense that it is this, this temple of truth that you go to and they will give you the truth from on high. Yeah. And yeah. Even though the scientific method is really a series of asking questions. Right, that's all it is, is continually asking exactly. questions. Yeah. The pursuit of truth is that the, you're, you're continuous... You should be overjoyed when you find something that is not correct. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a constantly correction. It's that constant correction of the process, and that's what real science is. And so we, uh, on the scientific side, we have uh, three main voices. We have um, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya of the Great Barrington Declaration. Oh, yeah. That was made pretty famous with the, uh, I mean, they, they, they basically said, hey, something's not right here. This is, the policy doesn't jive with the science. And that's all they right. were saying with the Great Barrington Docker Declaration. Maybe we should reset and reconsider. Yeah. And then the famous Fauci emails came out and that kind of blew it wide open. And it was amazing how the policy didn't even remotely follow the science. The policy sure. was just completely random and it made no sense at all. Like, yeah, right. they wanted to prevent people from gathering in places, right? So a lot of these places that previously were 24 hours, they shut down overnight for allowing sanitation or whatever. Mm -hmm. This wasn't governmental policy, but it was along the same lines. Bars couldn't be open past 8 p.m. in some places. So it, it took the same number of people and it crammed them into a narrow window of time where they had to be there, yeah. which is the yeah. complete opposite of what they claim to be trying to do, which sure. is spread the crowd out. Sure. Yeah. They were, but to protect you, but really they just wanted to ensure you were complying. And so, uh, compliance you, against above all else. You had mentioned a, a list of some other people that were somewhat involved. Can you just you know, give us a... Sure. Yeah. Our, our main cast. So we have um, on the science side, we have uh, Nick Hudson of Panda. Uh, he's our sort of science communicator. Okay. Uh, we have we have uh, Jay Bhattacharya and then David Katz. David Katz is well known for, for contributing at the Wall Street Journal. Um, he's out of Connecticut and out of Yale. Uh, Jay Bhattacharya 
Bhattacharya is out of out of Stanford, and then um, Nick is a he's a chairman of a group called Panda, which is pandata.org, and they are a group of uh, scientists and all sorts of folks out of the southern hemisphere growing into Europe that challenged it. They've been challenging it all along. So so he sort of he takes the the complex scientific ideas presented by Bhattacharya and Katz and sort of translates them so that people understand it more. At a, at a base level. And but that's a good thing. That was initially the goal of some of these uh, physicists like Neil deGrasse Tyson and mm-hmm. Brian Greene and Stephen Hawking. They wanted to take the science and present it in a way that the average person with, without a degree in astrophysics would understand. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, but by doing so, they, they created this, this sort of cult of personality around themselves where they became priests of this yeah. dogma. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what they say and whether it's related to science or not. I remember Stephen Hawking come out saying that capitalism was going to destroy the world or something to that effect. And people are like, look, even Stephen Hawking agrees. Like, but he's not an economist, so who cares right. what he thinks? Right, yeah. Right. yeah. But yeah. because he was, he was their priest and he, he had spoken about what the religious says. Yeah. And, Everyone and, and, accepted it, and there should be there shouldn't be a direct relation between the, what they're saying in the moment and it immediate reflecting in policy, or not really reflecting in policy. Just sort of this sort of blind sort of regurgitation of mantras like "follow the science." Yeah, I mean, we heard it over and over and over again. Trust the science. Trust the or science. The science is settled. Yeah, so yeah. that's why we we named the. Pro, um, obviously, we're sailing right into the thick of it by naming it that because we wanted to say, well, well, let's actually follow the science, which inclu- you know includes like following the science, the statistics. You know what 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 does the science reveal on the lockdowns, which we have very good uh, very good data. Yeah, they didn't do a damn thing. Yep. Yeah. And uh, but we also there's two other factors to it. There's the there's the main narrative. And the human interest level. So, as our main host, our main character is a fellow named Clifton Duncan. Uh, he's a, he's a Broadway actor uh, who was effectively forced out on some of his views. Um, he was he he was a skeptic you know, just into the lockdowns. Um, I let him speak to him, himself exactly how he felt about it. But he appeared on Tom Wood's show. So he's he's a and he started his own podcast. So he's a rising star. But. He left Broadway. He couldn't work there anymore. He went to Atlanta, and we're like, "Hey, you're an amazing, charismatic actor. Would you would you be our hero's journey that we go along with?" So, yeah. So he's it's a main vehicle for him, really. He's the our main character. That's great. And uh, so he's sort of he asks the questions. Nick's is sort of his mentor of understanding the science, and he goes through the process of understanding. And, and then we we interview um, Angela Mar- in, in, in the human interest level. We have Angela Marsden. She was the woman who went viral with that. She kind of went nuts with the uh, she she lost it when her tent. Was up and that was deemed deemed illegal in yeah. LA. And then the what, the, what the, happened? Oh, there was a film set that came in. She was a restaurateur, okay, and she had built all the all the expense. She was barely holding on. Built the outdoor eating stuff, all the random. Oh, laws she followed all their She followed goals, all, yeah. all the things, and the last minute they're like, nope. Even that, they're going to close down. And she's like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. And then she happened to stop by her restaurant, and right next to her, her, her big two tent, tent setup is a giant film set. Uh, catering tent yeah that was legal right next to her and she her friend that she's like turn on the phone and she just let loose into the phone and went totally viral of of her just like what tell me this is dangerous and this isn't dangerous and it really resonated in that moment because no one was really saying anything at that time because right. that was in the right. early days where people are very nervous of talking yeah. well it's a so culture not allowed to speak yeah. against it i yeah. mean you were even back then I was invited onto the show when I was running for sheriff with a bunch of liberals, so I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. But the topic wasn't supposed to be about COVID nineteen or masks or anything like that. And a solid mm-hmm. hour of the show was them grilling me about my personal decision not to wear a face mask because yeah. sure. sure. I violated the teachings of their cult. Right. Well, uh, the news here though is that you have a trailer. Yes. For this film, uh, just put out. Just put out about two days ago. Yeah, that's oh. it. Follow and, uh, the science series.com where people can uh, go uh, to follow, look. Follow the science series.com. That's correct, yes. 
So check that out. Followtheseries.com. There is more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here at Rogers Campground. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And someone from Free Talk Live is going to be here until July the 3rd. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is coming to an end, but Fork Fest is beginning unofficially because it has no official date. Unofficially, it's beginning Monday on June the 27th, I believe, and it's lasting until July the 3rd. So come down and hang out with the Free Talk Live crew. You can find out more about the festival at forkfest.party. It is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Hits the stand. That's forkfest.party. Well, with me today, it, well, with you today is Arya and the Captain, and we're joined by Roger Roots of Lysander Spooner University. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, LysanderSpoonerUniversity.com. So, so tell us about that and your liberty activism. Well, of course, I'm, I'm a Can you get closer to the mic? Sorry, we, we didn't prep you in advance. I, I, Can what? you get closer to the mic? Sorry, yeah. we didn't prep you in advance. I've been involved in a lot of libertarian uh, things over the years, uh, active in the Libertarian Party. I was on the platform committee, the national platform committee at one time. And I'm a lawyer. I do uh, liberty legal work. and I've That's right. You were the attorney on the Bundy case. Is that correct? Uh, I should say I was one of many. Yes, I was. Uh, oh, I imagine, yeah, there were probably... There were dozens, dozens. Actually, I, I do most of my work behind the scenes, so uh, I work for the Brett Whipple Law Firm, which was representing the lead defendant in uh, Nevada, in the Nevada case, and that was Cliven Bundy. Um, I they also, were acquitted, if I remember correctly, right? We, we had 100% acquittals in both Oregon and Nevada. I should say, specifically, Nevada sort of wound down into a morass of dismissals, mostly due to prosecutorial misconduct. So I wouldn't call it acquittals by a jury. The jury had been sworn, but uh, the judge finally put an end to the case after many evidentiary hearings, which exposed all kinds of uh, lies and... and uh, prosecutorial misconduct and it finally came to an end Sounds with like we dismissal. should hire you yeah. <laughs> well I, I I'm great work, at, by the way great work oh yeah, yeah. I, I, it's funny because I started uh, 
you know, I, I was just introducing myself. I, I, I'm an old-time libertarian activist, and I, I ended up working as the volunteer paralegal, believe it or not. I'm a, I'm a fully licensed attorney in some jurisdictions, but not in Oregon. I ended up working as a paralegal for Ryan Bundy in, in, in the big trial in Oregon, uh, and that was in 2016. That, there were two separate cases. There was the standoff involving the cows in Nevada in 2014, which led to a, a huge indictment of 19 defendants. Uh, then there was, two years after that, Ammon Bundy, Ryan Bundy, and some other Bundys, and other, uh, some of the same people, actually, occupied a federal wildlife refuge in Oregon called the Malheur U.S. Fish and Wildlife Refuge, and they just took it over, basically, for over, over a month. Hmm. Middle of winter, there were really no employees there, but the government was claiming that all these wonderful government employees were so scared, they, were, they fled, they ended up, they were staying in high-priced dollar uh, hotels on the coast of Oregon, apparently, with their families. They were living high on the hog, doing no work, but they were, they were claiming that they'd been chased out of this wildlife refuge in the middle of winter, where there are no visitors to speak of, and they really don't. They all take vacations anyway. But anyway, I was, I was very confused. Uh, do, do you happen to know what the Bundy's motive was for doing this? Because I don't remember now. And, uh, and I was impressed by the the ballsy nature that you know they essentially took over a, a government. It was Area. bold. It was yeah. bold. It was ballsy, downright bold. It's funny. If you were to ask the specific intent, it was mostly a protest, a protest of the treatment by the U.S. government of the Hammond family. Now, they were a ranch family in Oregon who had been put in prison for essentially, okay, they have grazing rights on what are called public lands, federal lands, but they also have a ranch. And a lot of ranchers with lands, a lot of ranchers that are adjacent to public lands in the West have grazing rights or they, they, they get permits to graze cattle on nearby uh, federal lands. You, well, they don't have management. much choice because of the Louisiana Purchase. I mean, the federal government owns something like 90-something percent of the land to the west of the Mississippi River. So It's a very high percentage. Um, yeah, and, and, and over the years, and by the way, arguably... They they own the grass on that those lands that are called public lands. Uh, they own the grass because they were promised the property rights of all improvements that they made when the settlers came to the West with all these homestead acts, many acts of Congress. Anyway, we're getting deep into the woods here, but basically their argument for a lot of the ranchers, the Bundys have the same argument in Nevada. Their ancestors were there before the Bureau of Land Management ever existed. Right. Their ancestors came to Nevada when nothing was there, and they were promised by Congress, all these acts of Congress, and the, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo with Mexico and all these other uh, sources of law, that they own the grass, they own the improvements. So they were promised if you build roads, if you build stock uh, ponds, uh, bridges, fences, that's yours. Those are property rights. And it still to this day is recognized by most federal judges. You know, it's, it gets really complicated. And what has happened over time is these administrative managerial agencies like Bureau of Land Management and U.S. Forest Service have constantly constricted and put these rights subject to all these permitting processes so that these ranchers are now, even though they own the grazing rights, they are made to get a seven-year grazing permit, <laughs> yeah. and each year the Bureau of Land Management or the Forest Service, depending on the situation, will tell them they can graze fewer and fewer cattle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are all, many ranchers are running into these problems. 
the Bundys back in about 1993 in Nevada just said, no, we're not going to put up with it anymore. We own the grazing rights. Our gra- our, our, we own these with our ranch. And so they just uh, have their gr- gr- uh, cattle just grazing in the, in the ranges. It's desert. It's not very fer- fertile. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but it anyway, is Nevada, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Nevada. I mean, it's, you know. And by the way, the cows are practically wild animals. There's not much fat on them down there. Okay. Uh, but they've learned to make a, make it, you know. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, in that sort of situation, you don't need a lot of fencing and stuff like that because the cows can just sort of come and go as they please because you don't have neighbors that you have to worry about or, you know, worry about them getting into traffic or anything like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, very, it's an interesting situation because the federal government now hates, hates them. Uh, and, and, you know, of course they don't like it when people stand up to them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a strange situation because, uh, for example, the U S federal forest reserve act of 1907 ends with a grandfather clause. By the way, almost all the federal acts that involve these federal public lands in the West, virtually every one of these acts ends with a grandfather clause that says nothing herein shall affect the property rights that already exist. Virtually every one of those acts of Congress. At the bottom of those acts, Congress includes a grandfather clause saying nothing that we say here. And that's true of the Taylor Grazing Act, the FLIPMA, the Federal Land Policy Management Act, all of them. They recognize the property rights that have already existed. So if your great-great-grandfather came to the West before there was really, I mean, Wild West, built a stock pond, a fence, whatever, that, those are owned property by the descendants of the rancher. Anyway, Which makes sense. I mean, they improved it. They claimed it. No one else had claimed it that well. No one else had claimed it at that point, and it was therefore theirs. Yeah. The um, issue is that the federal government is, as I understand it, you know, trying to supersede that these days. There's so many things going on. The, the federal management agencies now keep trying to restrict. Like, for example, the Bundys finally gave up trying to comply back in the 90s when they were told that they had to take all their cows off the range at a particular date and then bring them back at another date. Now, where do you put all these cows? How do you ship them? How do you take them out and put them back? They finally gave up trying to comply. I want to be clear here. Did, did they have to get grazing rights for their own property? No, or they own. It's, it's, it's funny. They own their own little ranch, a uh, few acres there, which is their own, you could say, deeded property. And they have grazing rights, which are, by the way, they have water rights recognized by the state of Nevada, which are very valuable in Nevada, in that desert area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, these are recognized. They, they're, they're, they were the part of the original Mormon settlers that came to that area. And so they have, over the years, over the generations, they have built these water, uh, you could call them canals in some cases, pipe systems to help water their cattle and whatnot. And those are owned by the family. Hold that thought. we got to cut to a break. There's more coming up here with Roger Roots, who defended the Bundys in federal court. We're at Roger's campground, so come down and hang out with us. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. 
We're hanging out now with Roger Roots, who defended the Bundys in federal court. You were one of many, many attorneys who defended the Bundys in federal court. And tell us a bit more about that, because there were two different cases here. Uh, There was the Oregon case and the Nevada case. And both of them were sort of, they stemmed from the same thing, which is the Bureau of Land Management or some other federal organization coming around and saying, hey, this land that you've been using to allow your cattle to gradle, allowing your cattle to graze, you can no longer do that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, It's... it's it's a convoluted story. Basically, there was a big standoff in Nevada at the original Bundy Ranch of Clive and Bundy in 2014. That was a major standoff where hundreds of Americans went down after watching some social media uh, horror stories uh, about what was going on, and and basically they I can't showed up. Them. It sounds. I mean, we 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 all know what happened at Ruby Ridge, right? Yeah, and and there, you, they call it a standoff. It was a legitimate standoff with armed Americans and standing there wearing just carrying firearms, and the Bureau of Land Management actually gave the order to give up the cows. They had gathered four hundred cows. They gave them up, and and let them run free and gave them back to the Bundys. And there were politicians involved, including the governors of Nevada and Utah. And a lot of politicians got involved in different sides. Anyway, it was a long story, but essentially, about a year and a half later, the Bundys hear about this family in Oregon, the Hammonds, who are facing prosecution for arson on public lands. And what they had done uh, is they had done they had lit a backfire to protect their their ranch from forest fires, which were raging at that time. So they're they were trying to burn the grass prematurely before the forest fire, fire before the fires got close, so the fires would not take out their ranch. Yeah, right. the fire unfortunately this might have been around like two thousand maybe thirteen twelve I don't know, but the the fire unfortunately got out of control and went on to what are called public lands, and the government accused the Hammonds of arson on federal lands, and they actually uh, indicted them under a very particular statute that requires a five year mandatory minimum sentence. Wow. Good lord, that seems excessive for starting a fire, trying to protect your land, and it getting out of control. I mean, a not a control fire is a bad thing, right? There was a whole gender reveal back in a few years ago that started this enormous fire that just wiped out large parts of California, if I remember right. correctly. But yep. accidents happen, right? I mean, and it's every year these wildfires spring up. So whether some idiot with the gender reveal causes one or whether there's an accident of someone trying to protect their land, I take it as a given at this point that summer, summer's here. We're going to hear about wildfires. Mm-hmm. Anyway, bottom, bottom, bottom line, the Hammonds were convicted. A judge sentenced them lower than five years. The judge gave them sympathy and said, well, this does not merit five years in federal prison. And you can do that with the mandatory minimum charge. There was a, well, here's what happened. So they go, they check into federal prison and they do, uh, actually the old man got maybe, I forget, a, a few months. The, the son got uh, over a year, I think. Uh, they get out of prison. While the case is pending, the government appealed. The U.S. District of uh, the, 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 the DOJ appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and won. So they're out back on the ranch after they've done their time, and the Ninth Circuit on, comes in cle- with an order. Okay. Why did the Department of Justice appeal the case? They got their conviction, right? Well, yes. They wanted a stronger conviction? They, they appealed on the grounds that the judge had sentenced them illegally uh, too low. Uh, Good Lord. <laughs> 
Yes. And the Bundys... What uh, monsters. Uh, it's, it, the whole thing is tragic. By the way, they were later fully pardoned by President Trump. Good. Fully yeah. pardoned they later deserved on. deserved it. I just want to say before you, you go on, uh, thank you for, first of all, being a liberty-oriented person, and then also the training of an attorney. You know, we there aren't enough of those in the world. Uh, I respect the heck out of folks like you who, you know, have a freedom mind, but also lend your assistance to people who need it. Yeah, it's uh, most lawyers, as you know, are it's 85% Democrat, probably. Well, it's hard. It depends on the situation in the state. But, uh, yeah, overwhelmingly, it's my, my favorite joke is what's the difference between a, a catfish and a lawyer? One's a scum-sucking bottom dweller and the other one's a fish. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, when um, I think of lawyers, I think of, you know, the, the politician types. And when yeah. I think of, you know, defense attorneys, I think of attorneys rather than lawyers. Right. I, I don't know if there's actually a distinction between the two, but in my mind there is. So let's it's, get back to the story about the Hamas here, because they were released from prison. They had served their time. They, they were free at this point. And the Department of Justice is like, no, we wanted them to be sentenced more harshly yep. for an accident that happened. And they won their appeal in the Ninth Circuit. So what happened after that? So the Hammonds are back at work on the ranch, and they receive word that the Ninth Circuit agrees with the, the prosecutors and says, they, no, they, it's a mandatory five-year, mandatory minimum sentence. You've got to check back into federal prison and do more time. I can't imagine how <laughs> horrifying that is to have, to have served your sentence that, that was immoral in the first place. And then you get out and they go, oh, no, 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 you're not done yet. Come back for more. Yeah, and the Bundys heard about this down in Nevada, okay? And the Bundys were outraged. And here's a fellow rancher also uh, under the thumb of the federal tyrants. And so the Bundys go up there. I should say Ammon Bundy especially and Ryan Bundy, two children of R- Cliven. And uh, the older, two oldest sons. Actually, I ought to take that back. Ammon is third oldest. They're libertarians as well, if I remember They are. You know, right? I can't say enough good things about the Bundy family. They yeah, are hardcore. hardcore libertarians. You could say right-leaning type libertarians, you know, but hardcore libertarians. Just yeah. wonderful people. And they're people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is yeah. and make a stand. That's what's most important, and that's it, what's inspiring about them, it's, certainly. They're such a great... Uh, I can't say enough good things about Ryan Bundy and Ammon Bundy and Cliven. Cliven's the patriarch. They're very courageous because it's very dangerous doing what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So they heard about this. This. So what happened? Did the Hammonds actually go and check themselves back into prison, or was this, or did well, they end up not having to do that? Unfortunately, they did. They did, but not without not uh, without hundreds of supporters showing up in their behalf, marching around the streets of Burns, Oregon, at zero degrees Fahrenheit. By the way, New Year's Eve, two thousand. It would have been about two thousand fifteen. Uh, basically Christmas through New Year's, there's hundreds of supporters of the Hammonds, led by the, the, the Ammon Bundy, and speeches were given in Burns, Oregon, small town. Eastern Oregon is so different from Western Oregon. It's, it's barren, not yeah. the trees that you, you think of when you think of Oregon. Anyway, zero degrees. The Hammonds were following their lawyer's advice, which is just check into prison and don't, don't you know. But, but the Bundys wanted them to actually make a hard stand. Unfortunately, that why. didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, at the end of the parade march, 
the Bundy, Ammon Bundy and others decided, you know, let's make a bigger stand. Let's go out to this local wildlife refuge, which they barely knew much about, called the Malheur Wildlife Refuge, and let's just take it over and have a demonstration and a, and a big protest. So, so how did it resolve? Did the Hemans ultimately get re-released from prison, or did they end up having to serve that barbaric sentence? Meanwhile, the Hammonds checked into prison. While there were protesters taking over a wildlife refuge in their behalf, they'd sh- they voluntarily checked into prison. And as events played out, like I said, Trump actually pardoned them about a year and a half, uh, two years later when Trump got elected. That's excellent news. Well, it is Free Talk Live, and we are running out of time for this particular segment. So thank you, Roger Ruth, so much for joining us. People can find out more about what you're doing at LysanderSpoonerUniversity.com. Is that yes, correct? Yes, yes. Thank right, thanks so much for joining us. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here, year 19 of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Next year, I'm, I'm told it's going to be a big year. They're planning, as I've heard, and this is all just rumors, to actually decentralize the planning of the Porcupine Freedom Festival to oh. where it's no longer the Free State Project that's responsible for it. It's just libertarians in general, sort of similar to how Forkfest is decentralized. I hope that actually plays out. Time will tell. I, I don't really expect the Free State Project to give up their, their power to do that, but who knows? They, they might. But with you today, it's Arya and the captain, and we're joined now by Crosby, the owner of this beautiful park, this exceedingly well-maintained park. I, I can only imagine how much work it actually takes to make this happen. So thank you so much for allowing the event to take place yeah, here. Yeah, we can. Actually, it's our privilege to have you here every year. Uh, we've been, what, this is the 19th year? It is the 19th year. Of which uh, 17 of those were spent right here at Rogers. Two of them were spent at Gunstock. Oh, see, I thought it had always been here. No, they had two years where they went down to Gunstock, and then they came back. Okay, well, I can't, can't say I blame them. <laughs> I've never been to Gunstock. I mean, this is actually the only camping ground I've really spent any substantial amount of time at. But it's also the largest in New Hampshire, and they managed to bring it to capacity, right? We so, are chuck full this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell. I mean, I don't think I think it's more packed this year than it was even last year. But I've noticed that this year, uh, whatever you did in the interim, uh, you know, the facilities are handling the capacity this year. Where last year, you know, some of the bathrooms were closed and stuff like that. This year, that doesn't seem to be an issue. Well, I tell you the truth. We have I've always said this all the way along. The only time we get into trouble is, is abuse. Is with what? Abuse. In okay. other words, is use water is overused and stuff like that, and sure. people don't watch what they're doing. They don't shut off the faucets and things of that nature. Or they're flushing things they shouldn't. It, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine there's a bunch of uh, that. We have uh, all kinds of things. We have bottles going down. and Good Lord. All kinds of things going in. Anything to clog it up. Yeah. yeah. So, so far this year, we've been very lucky. We've only had one clog up, and so far, knock on wood, the water situation has been very good. So, and we're right at the very end, so we're looking forward to <laughs> completing it in glory. 
right? I mean, it, this is the last big day. Tomorrow, everyone, well, not everyone, but tomorrow, a lot of these people are going to be camping, I mean, packing up and leaving. It, it seems like this is probably one of the most successful Porcupine Freedom Festivals that's ever been had here. I mean, everything is going smoothly. To my knowledge, there hasn't been any real problems. There, there was, as you said, one toilet that was clogged. But, I mean, that's minor. we got to have that. Yeah. There's <laughs> more than 3,000 people here, presumably. That, that's impressive. That, you know, that's the only issue that's really happened. So we have Fork Fest coming up next week that's going into, you know, the July 4th celebration. On what day can we expect the fireworks? Is there going to be a fireworks show, I suppose? Right now there's going to be a fireworks show, and I believe it's on Sunday. Sunday. Excellent. I look forward to it. I mean, last year it was delayed a bit because of a drought, but I don't think we're in a drought at the moment, and I don't think they're anticipating one, are they? We're not really in a drought, but to be honest, we, we got really not sufficient snow cover. Oh, is that what the, it was? For the winter. Okay. Which really caused us the problems and put us behind getting open, because without that, we end up with frozen pipes and things of this nature. So snow, snow insulates. Snow insulates. Okay. Snow insulates. That's really interesting. I would not have expected it to be. So, was there significantly less snow this year? I didn't pay attention. I mean, Up especially in not this here in the particular White area. Yeah. Okay. In this particular area. And I imagine it also helps with you know water reservoirs, you know, because snow melts and it becomes water. And at that yeah. point, you know, there's water is useful. So it's actually absolutely beautiful what is going on here. I've I, heard. Ru- I just want to say real quick, thank you for continuing to host these events for us. There are freedom-loving people at both Porkfest and Forkfest that probably will never get a chance to say thank you. So on behalf of all of those people, I know they appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate the people, too. To tell you the truth, Monday morning, we'll come out here and look, and this place will be immaculate. You can eat off the grass. <laughs> uh, this group is just uh, I mean, they're amazing on how they keep places clean they can do things and the politeness the kids are unbelievable there's 600 kids here this day Whew. and these kids are yes sir no sir thank you sir and things of that nature uh it's really amazing that the the whole group is so responsible and it, it's fun to work with them to tell you the truth I remember a number of years ago, it was standard that, you know, at the end of the day, after you had packed everything up, the park rangers would come through and make sure that your campsite was, you know, spotless. There wasn't trash laying around. I don't believe they still do that, though. And that it didn't create any more trash. As you mentioned, you know, you come out here Monday after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and it's, it's not trash, which is amazing after, you know, a week of 3,000 people being here, partying and having a good time. And the kids, what amazes me about the Porcupine Freedom Festival is how industrious the kids are. Like, even if they're just selling bottles of water or something, they're out there trying to earn money. I did hear for the first time today, a little kid at the top of the hill asked someone if they could just have 50 cents. Oh. And that was the first time I had ever heard that. panhandling action, huh? Yeah, because usually <laughs> it's like, hey, can I sell you this for 50 cents or something Yeah, I bought like uh, one of these maps for a dollar from a yeah. kid yesterday. So it's very cool, and you know, again, thank you for having it here. There's nowhere else that could possibly accommodate this volume of people. If if we weren't allowed to have it here, it would have to be split over multiple weeks in some smaller campground, and it would just not be as fun. There would be competition between. Oh, I want to be there for the good week, and it's just it would just be an absolute nightmare. I've heard rumors now. I know you're trying to sell the place. I'm getting old. <laughs> 
it's <laughs> hard to tell because <laughs> you're always out here working hard to maintain the place. So I get it. You know, it, it's it's definitely hard to tell. But you are looking to sell the place. There's always rumors going among, around among libertarians that there, there's a scheme to buy it, right? And I know the recent one is like, look, if we just get 300 people to each contribute $10,000, then we could buy the place. And it, <laughs> it, Right. It kept it last because I know libertarians. And that what I know of libertarians is that scheme is absolutely mad. It will never happen. It'll never work. It's hard <laughs> enough to get three libertarians to agree on things, much less 300 and I remember when we talked with you last year, there was a possibility that, you know, you weren't, you weren't going to be the owner this year, though you had someone in the pipeline to sell it. So it's good to see you again. I know you want to retire, right? <laughs> you well, wanna- to be honest with you, you know, I've been here 24 years, and you get a certain amount of pride after 24 years. Mm-hmm. The people who were going to buy it, the, the, my initial uh, approach to these people were, the guy came up to me, he sat down, he talked to me for a little while that was going to be the manager of this place. And I called back to Utah where the money people were coming from, and I said, look, I'll tell you right now, this guy's not capable. Oh, wow. And so you're sending me people that can't do the job. Mm-hmm. That's uh, amazing. Now, as I tell people, I am an ex-millionaire because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take the money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. See, I would have assumed it was something like the financing fell through or something like that. To, to know that you're, you're unwilling to give it to someone who you truly don't believe can do the job, that, that's impressive. It, not many people would turn down that money and no. you know, retire. So I totally understand why you take pride in this, though. It's absolutely, the, the view is phenomenal, and the campground is immaculately kept. And I, I, I'll tell you, that our biggest problem is getting help. I can imagine. I mean, we we have a difficult time finding people to seems work. Seems to be and, going around too. And what? Seems to be going around. A lot it's, of people yeah. can't find help these days. Well, we went down. We thought, you know, there was a large group of uh, of uh, Afghanistans down in Lowell, Mass, and we went down to see if we couldn't get two couples to come up so we could have some maintenance people and things. Right. They're. <laughs> They're coming. We'd like to work for you, but the United States government is paying us for seven more months not to work. That's so frustrating. When you're getting people paid to not work, it makes it hard to get people to work. Absolutely. There's more coming up here from Free Talk Live. We are at Rogers Campground at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. If you're at Site 46, if you're here and want to hang out with us, there's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Joined now by Mark, it's Aria, and we're talking with Crosby, the owner of the park. But before we get back into that, I want to tell you about Truth Smacks. If you like trail mix, Truth Smacks is the way to go. You can check it out at truthsmacks.com. They're called that because each bag has a number of truth quotes on the back, and it comes in two varieties. There's original flavor and peppermint infused. It also comes in two sizes, so check it out at truthsmacks.com. They only use raw, unadulterated ingredients, none of this overly processed crap. So if you're looking for something that's not going to put you in an early grave, truthsmacks.com is the best place to find it. That's truthsmacks.com. 
And as I mentioned, we're joined here by Crosby, owner of the park here. And you were just talking about, I, I want to carry on this story because you were talking about how you went out to find some employees because it's difficult, I imagine, here in Lancaster to just find employees in general. And you went down to Massachusetts in order to find some some refugees from one of these war-torn places, or I, I don't know exactly where they're from. I think you said they were from, from Afghanistan. From Afghanistan, yeah. And you wanted to hire them as someone who could you know, do maintenance on the, the property for you. And they told you, no, thank you. Because the U.S. government was giving them free money, basically. It was paying them not to work. And I, we see this a lot here in the United States. Um, a lot of these people making like twenty to $30,000 a year or something like that, they get a lot of welfare benefits. Yeah, it's not good money, but it's good enough not to work. Yes. But and I mean, even the They would have to give work, up that money in order to get a job. Yes. And that's, that's the same issue we have with people who are... Uh, making twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year, the rest if they w- moved up and got a raise or a better job, they would lose all of those benefits. And some of them estimate that you know they need to get a raise of twenty to thirty thousand dollars for it. They need to basically have their wage doubled in order to remove those benefits. This is a completely broken system, and the result of it is you know the five dollar gas prices and the food shortages and all of the other stuff that we see. How have the uh, short- how have the shortages and all of this affected you? as the owner of Rogers Campground here? Well, I, the, the big thing is... Go ahead. She's <laughs> fine. She's a, she does, is spooked by other dogs occasionally. Once she meets them, she's completely happy. But I, think, I don't even think she's barking at them in anger or, you know... Not with a tail else. wag. Look at that tail wag. Yeah, I think she just wants to get their attention and get them to come play with her. I, I don't think it's aggression on her part. She's just trying to get their attention, I think. But it is distracting. So the, no. the shortages and all of that, how has that affected you? Well, we always have shortages because here we are, as you mentioned, up in the northern part of the state. And uh, uh, supplies are very difficult to get. Now inventories, people no longer have an inventory. You have to bring stuff in or you have to run all the way to Concord or Manchester to get it. And a lot of times it's not there. Prices are going sky high. We use, because of the 40 acres that we mow here, we use obviously a lot of diesel fuel because all our machines are diesel. Uh, oh, I can only imagine the Is fuel diesel higher here. than, than uh, unleaded at this point? Oh, way high. Okay, that's what I thought. Way high. Yeah. I can only imagine the cost of fuel to have this, because you have to get the grass, I imagine, fairly often. At this time of the year, we do actually every five days. Whew. Right. You, and it's 40 you stop acres. and you got to start again. That's it. We put one guy out in the back and one guy out in the front and we tell him to meet in the middle. And that usually takes two and a half to three days to do. Uh, and then you have to do it again. And in then just you a start few all days. over yeah. again. Wow. Yeah. And then, they, and then they call in sick or they whatever goes on. You know, it's, it's never ending. <laughs> It actually is. It's frustrating to hear you're having such a hard time finding help here. I've noticed that the the main employees don't seem to change very much from one year to the next. Like the people who are working, I've got to pause it. That is loud. Sorry about that. A very loud aircraft flew by, so we had to very quickly pause the shows. I don't even know where we left off at, other than you know the the, the difficulty of getting people. Yes, I, I've noticed Our that. Problem th- is not there's people here, but with the pandemic and everybody leaving. Basically, a lot of the people who came in were a lot older than employable people. Right. So it made it really difficult. 
I can imagine. Is that most? Is, is that in the area? Young people are leaving. Young people are leaving here. Young people are leaving this area very rapidly. I imagine they're and moving to Massachusetts. When I explain, the old people like me, we cost money. <laughs> <laughs> we we're definitely not a free group. I mean, it's going to cost money. Absolutely, Mark. You had a question. I, I was just wondering if, uh, if we're, are we talking about the region here? So, if it's uh, young people that are moving out of the sort of what is this, the notches, um, Coas County, is that what your experience is? It's difficult to keep young people here. Yeah. I mean, people go off, they get educated, they come back, they want to you know, exercise what their education is. Right. There's no place to do it because there's just no industry up here. Right. Yeah, I imagine they move south to Massachusetts or something like that, or to the Manchester. Big city. Yeah. <laughs> so that's frustrating to hear because I mean, it's, this is a place that deserves a good staff and yeah. keeping staff from previous years. It allows them to, you know, as you mentioned, it allows them to create a sort of sense of pride about what they're doing. And it's hard to do that when, you know, there's a pandemic, quote, pandemic going on. So the pandemic, it seems, is officially over. I remember last year, or was it two years ago? Two we, years ago. When, uh, that was the big year. That was a bad year. Yeah. We had to sign a, a membership form. We had to become members of the Rogers Campground Club or something to that effect in order for you to continue having the festival here. Yeah, we got a little grief because the, the town the town is very supportive. I can imagine. I mean, it brings in a huge crowd each year. We have a very good town relationship with whether it be the, the town manager all the way to the, the police and the fire and everybody else. The ambulance thing has experienced the last couple of days when the ambulance was had, had to come in. They were here in three minutes with no problems. Wow. That's so, impressive. So they were good. So we have a very good relationship with them. Uh, but, you know, the town can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice if they could, but they have their problems getting people too. Yeah, I, I can only imagine, you know, what that's like up here in the mountains. So you mentioned that you have a great relationship with the town and stuff like that. I, you know, I'm not from here. I don't live in Lancaster or anything like that. Are, how do they feel about all of these people coming in for the Porcupine Freedom Festival each year? I realize that to some of them, you know, it's an influx of money suddenly that prob- that wasn't here the week before. But libertarians are also you know, loud and sometimes boisterous. And how do they feel about, you know, this large community of people just coming in once a year? After 19 years, they've sort of decided uh, maybe we better <laughs> accept them. That's a fair point. Cause it, Actually, I don't think, you know, you're always going to have the mouth. Sure. The one that's going to mouth off about something that they know nothing about. Yeah. And you're going to have them in every town. And we have them. We have them. They sit downtown and they hang out on the meters and stuff like that and collect welfare. But they right. can start rumors. <laughs> well, uh, they got to do something when they're not working. But the merchants working. say, wait a minute. These guys are spending money here. And they're spending a lot of money here. Yeah, I would think they would. They're spending a great deal of money in town. Right. I mean, there's nothing to go into... Uh, my understanding is that the local grocery store, Shaw's, goes up 8% in gross during this week. Wow. Which is a considerable amount of money at this time of the year when we're in the middle of the of the uh, vacation time and things like that. And people are uh, vacationing up here and going to their camps and so forth. We yep. get a bigger population. Do the managers of Shaw's and Walmart and the, the stores that are in the vicinity, do they get a hold of you to find out exactly when Porkfest is going to be, or they just go to the website to find that out? A lot of times we'll stop and tell them, especially 
like the restaurants. We'll, right. Uh, we'll stall them. And not only that, to be honest with you, the police even do it for us. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They well, I mean, it's curious. <laughs> Everyone knows there's stuff going on here that is um, questionable from a legal perspective. But, I mean, you, the police never seem to bother the porcupine. You know, I tell you, let's, let's go back way back in the year one. Year one, we had 500 drunks who came in and smoked pot and laid on the hillside until the sun came out and baked them, and then they all got off the hillside. <laughs> Those 500 drunks now have gotten married and they got kids. Yeah. And we're be- the attitude and the whole aura about the whole thing is like it's a much more grown-up party. It people, is. People are coming in and... You know, I mean, you can't like a, you can't act bad in front of your kids. <laughs> that's an excellent point. It, it Not is, too bad, anyway. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. The Porcupine Freedom Festival, I guess, ha- has grown up. It's yeah. matured. It's no longer the the rowdy say that it was. Even just a few years ago, I remember the Porcupine Freedom Festival being significantly louder. There were more raves. There was more open stuff being done that was questionably legal. So. Crosby, thank you so much for joining us. We are here at Rogers Campground. Find it at rogerscampground.com. And we are here until July the 3rd. You can check us out at ForkFest.Party because we're going to be here. Free Talk Live is going to be here. There is more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the final big day here at Rogers Campground, the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, the hot mountains. Of, see, this is the Porcupine Freedom Festival I remember, where it's like 90 degrees, it's hot, you're sweating. What, what do actual porcupines do when it's this hot out? I don't know. They, like the animal porcupine, not yeah. the libertarian porcupine. I imagine they go hide in the woods. I suspect they pant. They don't seem like they would have, you know, sweat glands either. Mm. Not with all the quills and stuff, right? I don't know. I, I think I'm going to agree. I, I am pretty glad, though, that we got uh, everybody to comply with chanting, we will not comply, to put well, on not my... everyone complied. There were, there were some people around who didn't. Okay, but, but <laughs> the notice that I put out was we're going to do it after the picture. And we had set up, and everybody started gathering, and I'm like, well, while these, the rest of these people trickle in, why not just do it now? And so we did, and there was enough of them that I got good audio, I think. I haven't listened back to either of the sources yet, but I used two things, two devices, and uh, we just got it done. So we didn't do it when I said we were going to, so was there any compliance? I don't know. I know it What's was- it for, the audio? I have written uh, a song in which I play the guitar, I play the bass, I do the singing, <laughs> and I have... Uh, uh, used some help with the drums, but they certainly a real drummer could pull it off with the right skill set uh, to create a song that it's uh, right now it's titled It's Time, and it's a bit of a uh, freedom-oriented anthem. You could call it an anarchist-libertarian type anthem, if you will. Very and cool. And the idea is that I'm going to use the chant as sort of the fade-out at the end of the song. Oh, nice. That, that should be awesome. The It was surprising to me how 
compacted, we actually managed to. I don't know how many people were there for the photo. I didn't get a good look at the entire crowd. The two of you did. What would you estimate was the number of people assembled? It felt to me being in there like it may have been between five hundred and a thousand. I would say that would be my guess. I was going to say seven, eight hundred. Yeah, I all I can say is that I have played some uh, small and medium sized venues back in the day, and if that was the crowd that show up, I would be a very happy man. Oh yeah, absolutely, very happy. I, there were a bit too many drones there for my liking, right? I, I felt like I was under attack yeah. with with that number of drones flying around, just watching. And I feel like like part of the reason I brought field recording equipment was so that you know the people who participated would feel like I was doing a thing. I could have brought like much smaller things. One of the things I had was handheld, but the other two I had mics up on stands and a little board so that people could see that they were doing a thing or right. we were doing a thing, but. You know, adding that to the drones and everybody else who was videotaping, and there were other people taking the picture as well. Just, in the field. Yeah, in the field. Right. I actually field recorded. I did field recording in an actual field, right. which is a first for me. I've done field recording at like venues and like concerts and that type of thing, but never in an actual field before. They're going to have to figure out something, though, because. It seemed crazy to me when they wanted everyone to pose for, like, two series of photographs and then for everyone to move forward, like, you know, 30 feet and turn around and face the other way. I left at that point, and it looked to me like everyone else was leaving. Too. Like, I followed a crowd out. So I, you say it seemed like 90% of people complied and stayed. I, that wasn't my feeling. I thought everyone was leaving. But you were at the front of the crowd. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you don't true. know how many there were. Now, I was out at that point. Yeah, she you're was done. hot. I was hot. We're sitting there in the sun. I can't believe it took as long as it did. But, you know, I was stupid and arrived early. We did, too, because, well, I wanted to get a head start on setting up the, the stands and the board. And I have a special stand that I bring for putting the board out and that kind of thing. Mark was kind enough to come down and lend a hand. So I had always happy to help an assistant audio engineer on site. His name was Mark. Certainly. It was a good time, and you know, I look forward to seeing the picture when it actually comes out. They tend to release those on the Porcupine Freedom Festival's Facebook page. Yep. So, other than that, there is stuff happening in the world today. Let me get back into it, because I've got a number of things actually pulled up that are interesting. Like, QAnon has returned, or Q, rather, has returned. For the first time in about two years, Q on Reddit is making a post. This is the person who inspired the QAnon conspiracy that okay. has people believing that, you know, the, our, the rulers are satanic, you know, child-eating rapists or whatever. I don't know exactly how, what it how is. How do we know that it's the same Q? Presumably, they're it's logging. The they have a login, okay, and they're posting under that account. So, I mean, we don't know I that. The, it's just the same account. I had the same question years ago about that that group called Anonymous, right? Like, and they're like, "Well, it's nobody, and it's everybody at the same time." And how do so we like, know who it is? Yeah, how do you know it's really, well? That's the case you know? on Reddit, right? Where a lot of people do post as anonymous, right? And that's how that came about. But I believe Q posts as the letter Q. No, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not an anonymous account. All right. So, um, you know, when I think about these uh, conspiracy theories, many of them are sort of uh, nuts, right? Like the idea that... Uh, Everything Q has ever said is nuts. Wayfair. Well, I guess Wayfair, what I would say is, is that... had me for a bit because it's super weird, man, that some of these disappeared children just happen to have furniture named after them on Wayfair. Right. That's <laughs> super weird. Right. And there, there's something suspicious about that. Do I think that buying a cabinet on Wayfair would, you know, lend you an eight-year-old kidnapped child at your door? No. But it remains unanswered why in the hell... Wayfair or the people selling on Wayfair were selling overpriced pieces of furniture 
with the names of kidnapped children attached to them. You need particularly the unusual names? Some of them were. I, I would have to pull it up. You need the special SKU. You got to order the, you know, the B version or something like that in order to get the eight-year-old kid. Otherwise, you just get like an armoire. Well, that was the theory, right? Was that, you know, most people know that you, uh, an armoire isn't worth $24,000 or whatever it was. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's way overpriced for an armoire. But it happened to have the name of Missing Kid Y armoire. And it was worth, you know, that much higher money. So people were like, oh, it must be that child himself. And I get why they would think that. And I still don't know why Wayfair did it. But it's weird. It, it, I'll, I'll admit that it's weird. Um, all I'm saying is is that w- while I do not think that uh, the vast majority of world leaders are, in fact, in a single satanic cult, they might as well be, right? Like, they are, they, they, if they aren't evil, well, they, they are operate as though they are. They are devil worshippers, for sure. Okay. I mean, the, the state is the devil. At least in my religious understanding, I would say the state is the devil. And they, you know, as most Americans do, they worship the state. They consider themselves to be priests in its religion. Okay. And the anonymous message board user known as Q, whose cryptic announcement spawned the fascist pro-Trump QAnon conspiracy theory. I don't know how much of that is actually true. Has returned to posting after a nearly two-year hiatus. The last, I believe, we heard from Q was that there was going to be a secret coup sometime in April, I think, two years ago in a course. And this was going to reinstate Donald Trump as president. And, of course, that did not happen. Yeah. Of course, that's nuts. On Friday night, someone with access Donald to Trump isn't president. He's not secret president. He's nothing but a U.S. citizen out the, there at this point who can't even keep his own uh, uh, social media site really rolling. Well, he doesn't use it either. That's what I mean. On Friday night, someone with access to Q's login credentials posted on 8kun, the anarchic internet community where Q last posted in December 2020. I'm surp- uh, yeah, duh, I knew that. It's not Reddit. It's I meant 4chan earlier. I think I said Reddit. But I meant, yeah. Shall we play again once more? The first post marking Q's return to the board read, and it was assigned Q. It's amazing to me that anyone would still take Q conspiracy, but that's what these people do. They, seriously, I mean, like the Harold Kepping guy, the religious lunatic who is constantly predicting the end of the world, he's never been right. Yeah. But that doesn't <laughs> stop people from believing him. And his next prediction, prediction is 100% legit, right? Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's all kinds of people that make predictions that are demonstrably false, right? Like, uh, the alien ship will land at this place at this time, then it doesn't, and, you know, whatever, they just keep on going. Yeah, they just say, oh, I got the time and date wrong. Because people don't want to be wrong. Meant. But, well, pe- not, not just the predictor, but the people who believe the predictor, uh, they don't want to be yeah. wrong either. And, you know, I mean, you got to be prepared to be wrong. From Absolutely. Like, from like 2012 through, no, I think it was 2012 was the last one. Uh, there was a guy who you know predicted the end of the world, and he got some news, some some media press, like national style. And so, as a band, we took that footage and we actually played a show on that day, called it the End of the World Show. And of course, the world didn't end. <laughs> no, that was that December 21st, 2012 thing. Right? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, though. It is Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. We are ordinarily we would be doing interviews and stuff like that, but I want to I want to get the show over with for today for two reasons. One, it's hot as hell out here, and I kind of like to go swimming. I'm counting on the possible, you know, all of the people who are just burning up right now and they're going swimming. I'm counting on the idea that they're going to be done by the time we're done with the show and that. All of the kids, or most of the kids, will have gotten out because it'll be yeah, dinner time-ish around them. But also because tonight is the rant here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. The rant? The rant. What is the uh, rant? Well, it is Soapbox Idol. It is one of my favorite things here. It is where everyone auditions with uh, Carla Garrick in advance, and you had three minutes to do your best rant. And it's sort of a competition. Um, last year, I was a judge with uh, Tom Woods, Jeremy Kaufman, and... I should remember the other ones, but I don't. And I was say, four judges doesn't sound right. It needs to be an odd number. I think there were three judges. Okay. But I, I don't know. Maybe there were only... I don't know. But anyway, I don't know if I'm judging or not this year. It's more likely since Tom Woods didn't make it, but I don't, I, I'm not going to miss it anyway. The first year I came to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I did a rant. And it was about how LGBTQ people are allegedly trying to persuade conservatives. But Mm -hmm. then they do things like the gay pride parade in Tel Aviv, which was like a big gay dance show where they were half naked and and dry humping in the streets. Like this is not going to appeal to your average person who needs to be brought over and convinced that, you know, you, you, you should be allowed to do whatever you want in the privacy of your home. Sure, they. Um, I mean, I think that most people are for that. It's the uh, it, it's the fringe cases that upset people the right. most. When it comes to LGBT, most people are upset about uh, high school and college sports. And um, the sports thing is so misleading. We only hear about the trans athletes who win. We sure. don't. We don't hear about the thousands or hundreds of trans athletes out there. And I had never considered this point until a friend of mine who has a master's degree in some athletics thing. I don't know exactly what she does, but she pointed out to me that you know no one ever talks about trans people in sports until they win. Mm. Sure. You know, mm. like the that's it wasn't a swimmer. It was someone else. Maybe it was the swimmer, but they came in like twenty seventh after winning one heat. They they went to another one. They came in like twenty seventh. No one talked about that. But let that person come in first, and everyone talks about it. So the, the data set that people have about trans people in sports is tremendously misleading because you, they only focus on the winners. I don't know what the data set is for trans athletes, but um, you know, having men compete against women is uh, generally a bad thing, and most people aren't for it. So then um, you know, the, the, let's not pervert the incentives um, by... Making it so that I mean, athletes will do lots of things, including harm themselves in terrible ways, in order to win. Um, I'm with you because testosterone is, by all measures, a performance-enhancing drug. Indeed, and you know, males have quite a bit more of that naturally than females. The thing is, trans people begin taking testosterone blockers, and that should mitigate that advantage over a long enough timeline. I uh, I like the idea of the rant and ranting and rants and like having a competition and judging. I think that you, Arya, and you, Mark, and probably Ian, and maybe some of our other hosts would be really good at that. I have a difficult time turning the rant on. It seems to be more like when I, I do some epic rants, but I can't like spontaneously do. I mean, I guess I can only do them spontaneously. I can't be like, hey, at 11 o'clock, do a rant. 
Well, you got to pick a subject that you're passionate about. Okay. That, that certainly helps. And once you have that, three minutes of ranting is, is surprisingly easy. Like there, there was a real fear that I was going to run over time, and I think I did. But the, the very first year, uh, that that rant was everyone believes I won that year. I didn't. I, I think I came in like second or third or something. Okay. It wasn't important. But the rant was very successful in that it got people like Chris Cantwell to watch it. Chris Cantwell loved that rant. Nice. And I don't know what that says about me that a Nazi, an avowed Nazi, liked what I had to say on the subject, but when I was on his show Radical Agenda long before he was, you know, in prison as a political prisoner, he played that at the beginning of the show. So the rants here, last year, I don't remember what the best one was. I think Moe's was my favorite, actually. Moe did a rant about, you know, libertarians being hypocrites and going into places, ignoring the signs on the door that say mask required, and then going in there and making a stink about having to wear a mask or whatever. It's like, do you believe in private property or not? Mm. And that was a really good rant. Unfortunately... He he gave his rant and he stormed off, so I awarded him no points, and he ended up losing because of that. But I, and then he came back and it was, you know, they were like, "Hey, so you can give me points?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, sorry, I've already decided." It's so arbitrary. It's, <laughs> it's like whose line it is, is oh, it anyway, right? The points are made up. The, the, it's yeah. completely made up. The points don't matter. At the end of it, we just pick the one that we liked the best, and that's it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you had a perfect score. If we liked your rant better, you yeah. win. Nice. It's a lot of fun. So I look forward to seeing that this year. It's always a really good time. But we're talking about QAnon here, whose recent message is very, very short, saying, shall we play a game once more? And I can't, I can't imagine that people are taking Q seriously at this point, but clearly some people are. And the game to me is Q is playing a game to see whether or not these idiots will believe him again. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, uh, in order to... to to create a fantasy world as deep and wide as this person had, that they had to have, um, they had to believe it, and I think they Certainly. did. What What is the name of uh, the Q account? I I, I ought to just Q apparently. Just I, Q. How they pull that off? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I would think it's eight coon. So eight coon may not be particularly, you know. Oh, this isn't on Twitter, right? Right. Okay. Well, that stinks. I would think that there well, would be people H, who were fooled by Q previously that, you know, would be like, hey, I'm uh, not going to fall for you this time, except I know that there's a, a number that will. Speaking of, you know, just the suppression, no one mentioned the suppression of information, but speaking of the suppression of information, if you try to Google 8 Kuhn, None of the results you get go to 8coon.org or, or whatever it is. I imagine it's 8coon.org. And this I used, thought it was uh, 8chan. It used to be 8chan. Now it's 8coon for whatever reason. I think the okay. eight, I think the 8chan name got them banned or something like that. I don't exactly recall. But whatever, Q is back. And apparently Q's followers believed that the world is really controlled by Satan-worshipping, child-eating pedophiles... In the Democratic Party, finance, and other institutions. Only in the Democratic Party, not in the Republican Party. Well, maybe. Q asked in another post, evidently they followed up with two more messages, asking, are you ready to serve your country again? 
remember your oath. In what lunatic, in what lunatic world did these people somehow serve their country by believing this nonsense and propagating it all over the internet? You know, you know who serves their country? Uh, Uber libertarians. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about peop- service people, right? You know, yeah. people who actually provide a valuable service. Yeah, Those the, are the, the people. Domino's serve- employees. Yeah, the absolutely. McDonald's Uber employees. Eats, right? You know, yeah. any pizza delivery driver. Definitely not police in the military. Though. No, definitely They're not. serving special interests. And it doesn't have any impact. It doesn't have any beneficial impact for the American people. There is more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I have a really lengthy article here that I, I want to get into. It's about how some sheriff's candidates are running on not enforcing certain laws. And I, I, I want to talk about that. There is more coming up here from the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It is Free Talk Live. Talk live from the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. If you're not already here, you've missed the Porcupine Freedom Festival at this point. It's sad to say this is the last day, and there's like six official hours left, and then it's just everyone sort of breaks off into their their friend groups and they start partying and stuff like that. There should be some good parties going on later, though. There absolutely will be. Last night was a really good party night, for example, and that's usually how it goes is that Wednesday's a good party night. Thursday, people kind of take it easier, and then Friday and Saturday are also really good party nights. And then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, a fork fest, people tend to take it easy, relax, the parties don't get too wild, but then it ramps up again for the weekend, and then there's the fireworks show on Sunday. Sunday. And you can come hang out with us at Fork Fest. We're going to be here. Free Talk Live will be here. Forkfest.party if you want to learn more about it. That's Forkfest.party. Now, the reason this article I want to talk about first came to my attention because it's about sheriff's candidates running on not enforcing certain laws. More than a dozen candidates campaigning. And I was like, well, I'm curious if I get mentioned because that was like my main thing, right? I obviously don't. More than a dozen (laughs) candidates campaigning to be top law enforcement officials in countries, counties across Colorado, are running on a unique platform. This is just in the one state. They have more than a dozen candidates running on the platform of not enforcing the law. Which law are we referring to? Yeah, it just says the law. The law. Okay. These candidates fit the profile of a loose movement, sometimes referred to as constitutional sheriffs, whose members promise to act as a bulwark against government overreach and laws passed by state legislatures that they deem illegal. So these, the, the, you have to wear mask laws and you can't open your business laws, that, that sort of thing. Okay. At the top of their list the in Colorado... can't go to church laws, I thought, were the most outrageous. They were all outrageous, certainly. But the fact I think that the, fr- the mentioning of the freedom of religion in the Constitution as opposed to, like, the, the founders didn't imagine that the world would go so insane that everybody had to cover their mouth or, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, but they did say, they did understand what freedom of religion was. 
At the top of their list in Colorado is the red flag law, which gives judges the ability to order the temporary seizure of guns from people considered a threat to themselves or others. Some also reject the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election, speaking of QAnon, and hmm. coronavirus precautions, issues that have become polarizing litmus tests, dividing the far right and more mainstream conservatives. I want them to take it a step further and stop enforcing, I mean, all, not just sheriffs, right, but all forms of law enforcement, take it a step further than not enforcing these particular laws on this list, but stop enforcing laws where there's no victim. Absolutely. Well, a police officer who doesn't enforce the law can be fired. But that's the unique thing about the sheriff's position. You cannot fire the sheriff. Right, the sheriff's elected. Right. Yeah, and in, so, and in many of these places, they, they borrow the sheriff's law from you know, ancient England, where the sheriff is literally the highest law enforcement official in the, in the land. So right. if, that, if that sheriff wants to arrest police officers, the sheriff is in the right to do that. Right. So some of these people reject, you know, the coronavirus precautions, the presidential election for whatever reason. No boss, no governor, no social agen- socialist agenda will take away my focus to fight for and protect our Constitution, said one of them. Experts say that the rhetoric has emerged among local officials as political divisions have cleaved the country in the past decade. Political sure division have. is certainly worse than I've ever seen it. People are destroying lifelong friendships over politics. Yeah, it's true. And it's been happening. I mean, it's been coming on for a while, right? It's just escalated somehow, it seems, recently in the last few years. It escalated under Trump, as far as I can tell. I mean, Trump was... The left sat around in their universities and on their social media just working themselves up into a fever pitch about how evil Donald Trump was going to be. I remember some of the headlines that came out after Donald Trump's victory and, you know, some of the people freaking out on blog posts and stuff like that. One person wrote, I am disabled. Imagine what Donald Trump will do to me. These people, (laughs) honestly, they sat around, you know, surrounding each other, telling each other their worst fears about what they thought was going to happen. (laughs) You mean uh, measuring the uh, the size? of their liberalism by um, you know talking about how special they were yes snowflakes no they, Measure, well, measuring the size of snowflakeness they they genuinely believed that Donald Trump sure, was going did. to return Nazism to the United States but wow. the handicapped person believed that they were worse off than the black person the black person believed that they were worse off than the American Indian and like it you know like everybody imagining that their plight is worse I don't know how much of that there really was, but I mean, they, they did expect, you know, the pray the gay away camps to return and for the gay people to be rounded up and exterminated. They genuinely, these lunatics genuinely believed these things were going to happen. So, of course, when they saw their their grandfather or whoever supporting Donald Trump, they they thought their grandfather supported, you know, Hitler. Because they painted Donald Trump as, some people said literally Hitler, some people said worse than Hitler. Worse than Hitler! Yes. Donald Trump. Experts say the rhetoric has emerged among local officials. I, I got went over that. Some of the ideas have I did want to point out that uh, Rush Limbaugh made his career uh, among uh, by saying, there's no compromise with liberals. You can't compromise because all you become is liberal light. And so his uh, whole theory was you can't compromise, and uh, but you know we're experiencing to some extent that. I'm not saying this is good or bad. Right. I'm not adv- advocating for or against. As far as I'm concerned, you know I've got my complaints about both liberalism and conservatism, uh, as defined by Rush Limbaugh. I would take the statement, though, that he made, uh, as told by you, and if you just replace the word liberal with government, I think it paints a much more clear picture. 
I would agree. You can't negotiate with uh, government or what, what was the terminology he used? It wasn't negotiate. It was you can't compromise with compromise. government. Yeah. In Douglas County, for example, Anderson's campaign website says, quote, freedom of speech and religion, medical freedoms, protection against unlawful search and seizure, guarantee of due process, state rights have all been attacked in some way over the last several years. That's a pretty hardcore statement for a sheriff candidate to be making. Who do you trust will stand up against tyranny? The website asks. We cannot, we cannot allow violations such as this to be acceptable. We have a system now that uh, incentivizes radicalism on one side or the other, or, or, or extremism, whatever terminology you want to use. So um, the Republicans are going to vote for the Republican no matter what. So if they're moderate Republicans, it's not like they're going to flee to the Democratic uh, sheriff candidate. By the way, right. sheriffs are more likely to be Republican anyway. So you're going to have a presumably better candidate because there'll be a larger field from which to choose. Um, and so it makes sense for any candidate to be extreme or radical, whatever term you want to use, uh, fringe um, in this environment. So Sheriff Candidate Todd Watkins, who served in the U.S. Border Patrol for 24 years, opposes, quote, arbitrary magazine capacity restrictions, so-called assault weapons bans, and other gun restrictions passed by state lawmakers, according to an endorsement from Rocky Mountain Gun Owners Political Association Political Action Committee. People are calling constitutional sheriff branding as a catchphrase, saying that they're just trying to use it to get people's attention. And that may or may not be true, but I applaud them and being unwilling to enforce laws that they believe are unjust. The issue, or being, yeah, unwilling to enforce laws they believe are unjust. However, the... So it is being argued that the you know these sheriff's positions are just trying to make a name for themselves. They're just trying to win an election. But I tend to think if they've got this many people doing it, they may actually... Imp- you know, cause some change because there's no office in the land better suited to make direct hands-on changes to the way that Americans live than the office of the sheriff. Because You're they, saying this because you ran for sheriff, you've done a certain level of research, yes. and uh, this is the conclusion you've come to. Yes, absolutely, because the sheriff can absolutely begin arresting police officers for uh, trying to arrest people for, you know, a busted taillight or something like that or smoking pot or whatever. The sheriff can actually arrest the police. And I think that's what these sheriffs should be doing in this world we have where no one in government is accountable. But we have a position here that could hold these people accountable. The sheriff could arrest the politicians making this unconstitutional legislation. I remember there was some uh, person whenever I started waking up to freedom, there was some person who was a sheriff, uh, who YouTube videos, that kind of a thing. And I remember hearing about all this kind of thing. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival with Aria and Mark. And I want to say thank you to Shooty, who is a nice amplifier. This means that Shooty is a member of the AMP program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. So if you value the ideas of liberty being on close to 200 radio stations, you want to help us get on more radio stations, signing up for the AMPS program is the best way to do it. It only takes five bucks per month, and it does come with a number of cool little features like an AMP-only chat room on the Matrix server 
and an app-only version of the podcast. So check it out, amps.freetalklive.com. Shitty, thank you for your contributions. Now, we're joined now by Doug. This is your first time back at the Porcupine Freedom Festival in six years. Correct. Is that correct? I so- left when Ian got banned. <laughs> so you didn't attend six years ago? I, I was 2010 to 2016. Okay. Um, and I was probably I was one of the first amplifiers. I was the, when you first started the amp program. Yep. I was there. Very I cool. I also listened to you in, when you guys were in Florida. Really, you were one of the Florida listeners. I yeah, was. You are a long time listener. I am a long time. That listener. was two thousand. We moved in uh, Labor Day or Memorial, Labor Day of two thousand and six. We moved to New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. So I, anything before that is a quite a long time listener. Yep. So. What was it like? So you, I attended uh, my first time in 2017. So what was it? I remember what it was like then. What was it like in 2016 and earlier? Yeah, 2011. 2010 was my first one. And Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party had just started. It was way in the back somewhere in a tent during yeah. the day. There were it fewer. It became Derek J's Big Gay Dance oh, Party for a little while. Yeah. Derek, where is Derek anyway? Well, they have left the U.S. Oh, they did. Yeah. He and Steven? Yeah. Good for them. All right. Um, Probably a smart decision. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. We're in the same boat here. Um, so I think there was one row of vendors. Uh, and it, was, it was, you know, uh, they called it Agora, Agora Valley. Alley. Agora Alley. That's right, exactly. Right. Now it's, it's all over the place. It's still called Agora Valley, though. I mean, at yeah. least I still call it that. I don't know if they still officially call it that or not. But right. I always knew it as Agora Valley. But I'll tell you this. It hasn't changed that much, except there's more people. See, you missed the bad years, the dark years Which, at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yeah? Yeah, not long after they banned Ian. I mean, there was a period of time where they were, you know, the, the pork rangers would go around telling people, hey, your, your tent is too close to the road. You've got to undo the entire thing and move it back, you know, six inches or whatever. And at one point, they were honestly trying to search people's vehicles because it was mm. rumored that Chris Cantwell was here, and he was another banned individual who wasn't allowed to be here. Right, right. Who is, who's so, the pork ranger spent a lot of time hunting people. Yeah, the pork ranger, I don't, I don't remember. I think uh, the, year, the very first year that I was here, it was uh, Roger Paxton, who was head of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but I don't know who was heading up the pork rangers. Like who, yeah, what, was it Rogers who was interested in these these ten six inch rules off the thing, or Rogers uh, Campground, or no? It was the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and you know, yeah. Free State Project Incorporated. They just went crazy with power. They, they really did. And the band for Ian is what spawned Somalia Fest. It was the pre-party for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, mm. and Ian was still allowed to come to that because it wasn't the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Right, and then Fork Fest, I think, after yeah, it, a while. It, mer- it became Fork Fest the following year, uh, the, the second year, and then it was Fork Fest again, and then the fourth year it moved to being the after party. Yeah, yeah. And that worked out a lot better. I don't think it's going to work out this year, but we'll, time will tell. Yeah. And... It, it worked. I mean, the idea of having a decentralized alternative to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, there was a reason the first Fork Fest was so successful. Mm. And that was because people were sick of the, I don't want to use the word tyranny from the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but it was very much like yeah. tyranny. People it, were sick of that. Was it a leadership issue? Like they had new people come in later and it got more relaxed or what? I don't know exactly what the issue was, uh, and I don't know who was responsible for anything like that. And if I knew, I wouldn't want to, you know, name them. Well, the problem is, is that um, liberty can be mean tune things to libertarians. You can have a society that is free, where you're able to do what you want, so long as you don't hurt other people, or you can have a society that is private, 
and that is still free. So you could have the greatest of tyrannies in the society so long as anyone can choose to leave them. Right. Um, then you know that this that so long as it's private rule it's acceptable and these are these allow for experimentation in the area of governance which your vast majority of people who declare themselves anarchists at this festival will agree that humans need governance they just won't agree that it should be state which of course you know yeah. makes perfectly good yeah. sense i understand where they're coming from it's just that i disagree with the term anarchist yeah yeah, I like. I always like to say that you know, hey, in, in a in a free libertarian society, you can have pockets of communism existing and thriving. Sure. But in a communist society, you can't have pockets of liberty. No, yeah. well, you will, but um, yeah, well, yeah. you, you won't it'll have be, them sanctioned. It'll be against the law, right? They'll be hunting down. You can do what down. you want in a free society, yeah. um, and you can have all the you know. Uh, you know all all the all the people living in a commune that want to live in a commune and uh, deal with uh, bed bugs and dirty dishes. Yeah. So as a result of all of this, you know, Fork Fest was born, and I, I think the Porcupine Freedom Festival learned its lesson, and the last year they reopened everything back up. That was the first, uh, no, or was it two years ago when they reopened everything back up? I don't recall well, now. It closed. Well, it used to be where you couldn't even enter the campground without showing them your wristband. Oh. Right. That, that, that's the kind of level it ended up being at. Got yeah, it. they were. They had, uh, you know, right at the front uh, driveway, they had a gate. Yeah. A lot of party crashers. You know, I get it. You know, they want to... But the campground is a Porcupine Freedom Festival. The campground is Rogers Campground. Sure. If, if I want to be here during the week of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, like they do have people who are here yeah, during the Porcupine people. Freedom Festival that have nothing to do with the Porcupine Freedom Festival, if I want to be here at Rogers, I have every right to be here at Rogers. But... Yeah, yeah. Under the old model, you couldn't just be at Rogers. Now the Porcupine Freedom Festival is more or less something that happens down there at the bottom of the hill. Right. And that's where the pork rangers are. They don't they used to drive go- golf carts all through here looking for infractions and stuff get like that. Get out of town. You know, sometimes I I mean, dude it happened. I mean, I, I was I, here. I get your I I get it, but when you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's they still did, they didn't like ban pot or anything or underage drinking, right? They didn't care about that. I don't know about underage drinking. They didn't do anything about pot, certainly. I mean, yeah. what they considered infractions were were yeah. about what you would expect. It was just property minor, rights infractions, yeah. minor uh, nitpicking and stuff like sure. that. Like, hey, you can't cross through this person's campsite, even if the other people don't have any issue with it. Right. right. That was how the the Silk Road here came into existence as well. Mm. They wanted to create a place that you you were Good authorized cross. to. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, that's what that is. Oh, okay. You're authorized to cut through at those places, but if you ask anyone here. They're not going to care about you you cutting through their campsite because well, if you otherwise through, it's a long ass walk. If you cut through at two a.m. and then trip over my uh, the, the the guy wire to that's holding up my tent, I'm going to be upset. Certainly, that's very different, though. Well, I understand, but I mean, the people who are least qualified to determine whether they should be crossing through are those that are going to cross through at two a.m. and trip Drunk. over. It, it, that's right, they're drunk <laughs> and trip over a, you know one of the lines for a tent. I mean, certainly, but uh, to my knowledge, I haven't heard of that happening here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, at least this year. Ever? Oh, it's happened. Because <laughs> well, it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, there was an idiot on LSD a few years ago who Wasn't tried to do Hancock a front flip over a fire. Through the, through the park one day with this honking his horn and everything else? I have no idea what you said. Ernie Hancock drove through the, through the, through the park honking his horn, drunk off his ass. I, I'm not surprised. Like, a few years ago, I heard this, you know, and people were a little like, what are you doing? I think you're trying to prove a point, you know, or something. I think the reason that Chris Cantwell was banned was actually because he, he was drunk driving and he hit someone or he hit a car or something. I don't think something. he hit anything. 
He was just dr- drunk driving. Yeah, like you know, they 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 got him to stop uh, prior to that. I don't believe that there was any any da- damage to um, property. Well, that's regrettable. I, I, well, I mean, I say that's regrettable. That, that makes his ban regrettable. Then, if no one and no property was actually even hurt, they are, in their judgment, he was too drunk to be driving. But he didn't hurt anything, so clearly he wasn't. Well, um, Cantwell set arrayed himself against the Free State Project Inc. at and then did, came did to he? the Free Page, uh, Free State Project Inc.'s uh, you know, festival. Yes, Cantwell loved. That the Free State Project took the time and the energy to say, hey, not our circus, not our monkeys. And then he goes to the circus and then he gets his little monkey ass gets banned. Yes, he did. Yeah. That, that's like saying that, you know, Ian was asking or the, the Free State, Ian went after the Free State Project or whatever to result in his ban for Portfest. Ian loves flame wars and got <laughs> burned. Uh-huh. For one year. Well, so does Christopher Cantwell. So, so you, you are essentially making that allegation. The Free State Project did nothing wrong. And, you know, Ian no, no, and I Cantwell wouldn't claim that. Look, you drunk drive at a festival where you can run people's kids over? Yes. Ban his ass for a, for a year and see how it goes. Can run kids over. A sober person can run kids over, too. And, and look, I'm, well, no, I'm not. I'm much re- less likely. They set the rules and you you know what to abide by. Um, I don't have did a they set the rules? Anyway, did they explicitly say no drunk driving? Let's talk about smoothies <laughs> well i don't think we really have time because we got like 20 seconds out before we uh, go out to break but i don't know long if they, live bitcoin absolutely btc i don't know if they ever actually bothered to point out that hey yeah you can't drunk drive here you know yeah so, i'm sure they didn't take the time just to, a quick uh, be, quick to thank to you mark and ian you made me millionaires thank you and i thank you over and over and you made my family and friends millionaires too. there's more coming up from the porcupine freedom festival going into day seven it is free talk live Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But the Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances, Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. It's almost like I'm just leaving John Mayo now and I'm producing my own blues band. And it's taken me 30 years of meandering around the back streets to get there. I just always felt very afraid of being true to myself. And, and I think that's quite normal in a way. I think everybody is. I'm not unique in that. But right now, I want I want to do it, and uh, I don't. I, I have this funny feeling that I don't know how long it'll last, and it may be that I'll just stay here. Maybe that's all right. Maybe it's all right for me just to stay doing this because it's what I do best. That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But the Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com. 